1: Is the pandemic actually over? And then, is church the best place to meet God?
2: Is God anti-gay? And later, what is the worst career advice you can follow? You're listening to The Common
1: Good. friends happy thursday welcome to the common good here on am 1160 hope for your life alongside aubrey sampson my name is brian from really good to have you with us on this thursday aubrey thanks yesterday you were in with decision point and, yeah that was uh,
2: a great uh, great time with decision point love who they are and love what they do you can actually go to our website 1160hope.com click on that decision point banner right. and uh, connect with them today
1: Yeah, we often look for things to do with our money that we know will make a difference, right? Yeah, that's right. We all pay our mortgage. We pay the grocery bill, whatever else. But uh, I I know we want to leave eternal impact. And Decision Point is empowering high school and junior high kids to go into their schools with the gospel. I can't think of a better thing to do right Uh, with your money and so as aubrey said go to 1160hope.com click on the decision point banner speaking of schools aubrey i'm gonna tell you uh yesterday so it didn't happen today yesterday my great parental fail uh as people who listen to the show may know we our son is in a new school this year takes us a little bit of a drive out by you and uh took him to school Said to him, made a joke to him. Man, line looks short today, and he had a revelation that it was late start day. Oh, hour late, no. every so Wednesday could... when the oh, kids get to sleep in, and uh, I dropped him off at normal time, and he had to go sit in an empty school for an uh, hour. <laughs> that's what I
2: was just thinking. Like, what a bummer that he didn't get to sleep well, sleep in for an hour. Oh well, what can yep. you do? Lesson learned. It'll never happen again. You'll know from Cause... now on.
1: As you know, no high school kid wants extra sleep. So, <laughs> <laughs>
3: wow, uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. wow. Pa- parenting fail on that. Yep. But do you know what I did with that parenting fail? What's In the that? midst of it, I laughed really hard at him. <laughs> and, you
2: dropped- <laughs> and you dropped him off anyway. That's my favorite Get part of, of the story. Is car. you're just like, well, see ya, sorry kid. <laughs>
1: As he got out of the car, I was not just giggling. I was laughing uncontrollably.
2: <laughs> was he mad? Was he like?
1: No, uh, he yelling was that,
2: profanities at you no
1: he was that teenage boy just kind of like uh yeah, <laughs> like that yeah, kind of yeah. look the but I, I think deep down he knew there was nothing that could be done about it
0: so
1: <laughs> uh it was fun all right Aubrey here's the question and then I'm going to tell you the background to it is the pandemic over is the mm. pandemic over you might have seen this on 60 minutes oh well, I think two Sundays ago they were interviewing President Biden, and the interviewer asked him about whether or not we're still in the midst of a pandemic. And President Biden said, The pandemic is over. Oh, and he, I, pre- you know,
2: I saw some headlines of that, but I didn't actually follow the story. What did he proceed to say?
1: Uh, he proceeded to say things like, There are still issues with COVID, but the headline yeah. was, The pandemic is over. And this started. Uh, people all over the place going, um, what? Like, wait a minute. Did the president yeah. just declare the pandemic over? Does that mean any vaccination requirements, any this? Does that, does that mean those are all done? Does it mean people who lost their jobs because the vaccination mm. questions can get them back, whether it be mm. military or other? Wow! Have other people who are really cautious going, uh, this is irresponsible. Like uh, people are still dying. You can't declare the pandemic over. And then where it got really interesting, Aubrey, is uh, it says Biden's remarks surprised his own health advisors, and that some of the health, his COVID team says, "Well, it's more complicated than that." Basically, saying that the president. Uh, it was not planned for him to say the pandemic is over Uh-oh. and that maybe he shouldn't have said the pandemic is over. Uh-oh. So there's a great leadership question I'd like to ask you here. Uh, but let me just ask you this. What do you okay. even think about the president saying the pandemic is over? Because I got to <laughs> be honest, I kind of feel like the pandemic is over.
2: Well, so what's hard for me answering this right now on Thursday afternoon is, you know, I have two kids at home with COVID. So, oh, no. you know what I mean? so for me to say the pandemic is over is a little ridiculous at the moment. I, I guess it depends on what we're talking about. Like, is COVID gone? That's a different question than is the pandemic over, right? Because right, right. I think the pandemic implies uh, the the worldwide spread, uh, all of the countermeasures, Masks, that's exactly right. vaccination. You know what I mean. So I think we're talking different level than does COVID exist? Are people still getting getting it? Yes. yes. I mean, yes, 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 yes. In your uh, home, right? I, I read a statistic the other day that said that 100 people a day are still dying from COVID. Now yeah, that's not yeah. the mass numbers that we were seeing a couple of years ago, but still, like, let's be honest, it's it's around. It's here to stay. Um It's thankfully like my kids are actually not that sick, you know, but we're doing right, what they're right. supposed to do. But do I, I mean, do I think he shouldn't have said it? Uh, This is what's so hard with like being at the level that he's at. I think he's probably right. I think, I I don't know. I'm not going to say if the pandemic is over or not. I think we're in a different season than we were certainly than two years ago. And we can say that without fear. Yes. Um, does a leader at that level need to probably talk with his PR team and communication team before he says something like that? Also, yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think you make the right point that, uh, to st- it's two different questions, right? Uh, you could say the pandemic is over while still saying COVID is an issue Yeah. yeah. Uh, and present. And so the question is, is it proper right now? And this is the great debate. Is it proper to say that the pandemic is over, but let's have the leadership conversation okay. here, Aubrey. Okay. Here's the thing. When the head of the organization, in this case, the United States of America, but mm-hmm. a church, a business, when they declare something, it feels like then that is the declaration, and it's it, the people underneath him can't go. Well,
2: no, yeah, not yeah.
1: really true. Uh, that there's a lot of walking back to go there. Like it feels like when the president of the United States says the pandemic is over, it kind of feels like it, if somebody at the church says we're going to do this and and the rest of the people are like well he didn't really mean that she didn't really mean that yeah it's really really sends a mixed message
2: i mean i think this was part of like like uh trump's uh pr problem too as he would speak right. off the cuff and his he would be like oh no and so i yeah it it's sort of problematic when the leader of you know the free world says something and everyone's going well if you can trust that or not I don't know if that's actually true like there has to be a place I think in one sense where the president of the United States can speak freely and and simultaneously any of us who are in leadership know if we speak without thinking and consulting our teams and remembering the audience that we're speaking to we can all get ourselves in hot water so I feel like there's almost like a lesson in knowing when to shut your mouth and when to open your mouth and knowing how to say things in a way that's not, not manipulative, but just wise. Right. But then there's also, I mean, I think the question you're asking is a good question. Like can the president just speak for himself and that's enough? I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I think it's I more complicated think, than we like was, to think.
1: Yeah. I don't think with something like this. He can, uh, yeah. one of the guys who runs the center for disease control said, where are we at in the pandemic? We have to just acknowledge, we don't know. Mm. <laughs> so there does seem like on both sides, some of us, I, I might fall in this category, want to be quick to say the pandemic's over pandemic. Yeah. Obviously, COVID is still here. But when we talk pandemic, there does seem to be another sense of people who are like, no, no, we are going to stay in this thing. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to yeah. keep acknowledging. We will not leave COVID. Yeah, We're going to do this uh do you have any weekend plans or is it too far to look ahead still because i don't think we do
2: isn't that sad when like thursday is like i don't know i can't even think about the weekend yet i i don't think we have any plans but i'm actually really hopeful for that like maybe we can just chill this and you've had
1: covid in your house so yeah
2: we've had sickness in our house i think we probably will just kind of take it easy hopefully enjoy some time outside because i you know i love this fall weather i am officially decorating for the fall this weekend what does that even
1: mean what's going up.
2: Yeah, my husband needs to this is the big thing. First, what comes down is my big bin of fall decor and it's just like, you know, cute little pumpkins. There's basically a whole lot of pumpkins and leaves around my house starting in the fall. Uh, so it's quaint. It's cutesy. It's from Mm. Hobby Lobby and Target. So that's what I'm doing this weekend.
1: The more you talk about this kind of stuff, the more I realize (laughs) that I need to add Kevin Sampson to my prayer list. (laughs) I, I need to like hey I need his to life just, is
2: good and easy i'm a good woman Brian. i need to
1: lift kevin Sampson up before the lord on a more regular basis so like just i mean that bo- that boy's fighting the good fight <laughs> hey
2: hey hey he, his life is easy his, his life, life is easy. easy he is a lucky man to be married to me you have to bring down a bin once uh, a year your life is not hard
1: Oh, you're going to be telling him it's going to be November 1st, and you're like, get the Christmas tree no, up. No, that's like,
2: him. He's already like, can we put the Christmas tree up? He, <laughs> the Christmas tree is all my husband, not me.
1: <laughs> okay, uh, well, we're glad that you're with us today and hope that you've got big plans for the weekend. I mean, there was a really poignant piece, I would say, a really – you know, you read things sometimes, and it makes you kind of go, wow, that that was – that that drove some emotion, right? Like yeah, that really yeah. made me think. And Tish Harrison Warren, we've had on the show before. She's a fantastic writer. Yeah, she uh, is. Also write an Anglican priest. Am I right about that? Yeah, I believe right. an Anglican yep. priest. Yep. Uh, and Tish has a regular opinion piece at the New York Times, which I think is such a great opportunity for I her. I do right? too. I love that her voice um, is being
2: utilized in that way.
1: Speaking about the hope that we have in God, she's talking about, you know, uh, the hope that we have in the gospel, all sorts of stuff where she's able to talk to a crowd at the New York Times that that you know most of us pastors do not get the ability to do. So she wrote a piece the other day called Our Memory Is Flawed. Luckily, God's Isn't. And I was like, oh, that's gonna be interesting. And much of the beginning of the piece is about her own mother's um battles with dementia like she could see her mom. yeah really hard and there's a lot of people out there who have dealt with this with a grandparent with a parent um this idea of dementia and i you know i don't want to be dark but i'll say this aubrey maybe you've seen this as well there's nothing i don't think more it's so i shouldn't say nothing but it's so painful to watch a loved one deteriorate mentally in that way
2: really is my my grandmother uh my grandmother had dementia before she passed away and you know we were so close such a wonderful kind of stereotypical grandma like the sweet chocolate chip cookie baking grandma and to spend time with her in her last days where she didn't even know who she was sitting across the breakfast table was was just gut-wrenching and then for her the stages were early enough that she was aware that she wasn't getting things right and so kind of being trapped in your own brain while it's forgetting is just, oh, I hated it for her. Yeah. I hated it. I yeah. hated it. I hated it. And it is, uh, you're right. I mean, memory loss, I think is, whether it's Alzheimer's or dementia or some version, you know, of that memory loss is just so, it it feels so undignified and sad and excruciating and you know, hard to watch the yeah. people you love go through that.
1: Absolutely. And sadly, so many people have to go through this and yeah. watch this yeah. or experience it themselves. And where Tish ends up going with this is, you know, making comments that you and I joke, we're 45 years old. Yeah. I forget stuff all the time now. Right. I, I am like... Oh, is this like early onset? And then everyone I know who's 45 is like, nope, that's totally how I am too. just
2: age. This is age. We're just starting to forget things. But it is a little strange because you are like aware that, oh, I've forgotten this. Oh, did I say that? Did we have that conversation? Or or even like, oh, I forgot I was supposed to do X, Y, Z. Like things that you just were on top of even a decade ago. That's right. It it does. It does change.
1: And I was in the midst, I was in the car with my son the other day, and I was in the, like, you have this happen you sometimes, in the middle of a conversation going, and I literally said to him, I was going to say something to you, but I have no idea what I was going to say to you.
2: This is my whole, I told you I'm on this app, Voxer, where I walkie-talkie back and forth with friends. I got on yesterday, and I was like, okay, I have to tell you something to this two group of friends from grad school. And then in the middle of it, I was like, literally can't remember it. I was going to say, I'm going to have to come back <laughs> later when I remember, and I still haven't remembered. Like.
1: That's Uh, so funny. That's so funny. Uh, And so Tisha's point is forgetting is part of who we are as people in a way. Like Mm, it it eventually is what it is. Interesting. And so A, this is why we gather on Sundays to remember. Like why Mm. do you ever think about why we gather on Sundays? Why we do communion? Why we sing? Mm. Why we preach? It is to remind one each other each other. It is to remember all the good news of the gospel wow. and who God is and what he's done for us because we're forgetful right wow
2: i've never thought of it like that i've certainly of course you think about the lord's supper as remembrance like jesus says do this in remembrance of me but i haven't thought about our gathering in general as a way to remind each other because we're forgetful that's really interesting and that yeah. actually makes a lot of sense uh both with science right and just even theologically like the history of god's people are forgetful people That's right that's so right So that's a yeah that's a really that's a really interesting way to frame why we gather and why we practice the sacraments and why we worship together
1: Yeah we are a forgetful people but then Tish ends here and this is where I want to land us uh she basically says but thank god that he's not forgetful she says mm-hmm. it in such a powerful way Uh, she says this, this might bring some people to tears, Aubrey. She said, my mother may eventually forget me, her daughter, whom she deeply loves, but God will not forget my mother. She says, uh, she then quotes somebody who says at the heart of God's intimate knowing of human beings lies God's remembering Mm. of us. Uh, she ends this way. I do not and cannot know what lies ahead for my mom or for me or for anyone I love. I do not know what I will remember and what I will not. Uh I do not know if everything I've ever said and written and done will be lost and forgotten, but my hope is that we are held fast even now in the eternal memory of God.:
2: Wow, that I is find so that to be so beautiful. deep right, mm. beautiful
1: and deep. This idea that we're used to being forgotten yeah and that, that's yeah God will never forget you That's yeah. so important, isn't it, for people out there who feel forgotten, even by God right now?
2: You know, I think it's so helpful for people who feel forgotten. Yes. To remember that God remembers you. And I also think it's helpful for those of us who are walking beside someone who's who's unwell fighting, fighting what you know, what Tish is talking about with Alzheimer's dementia, or even cancer or even just like um, struggles in their interpersonal lives. Like it's I think it's so helpful for all of us To be reminded, I mean, I'm not saying that tongue in cheek, really, to be reminded that God remembers because then you go, "Okay, Lord, like I don't understand what's happening here and I don't know the outcome of it. I ultimately can't control it, but I can trust that somehow, even if this person I love is lost forever, you're never going to forget them. There is some deep, deep comfort in that, especially thinking about it in light of like God's eternal remembering. That's right. That's Um, right. But I, you know, I think this is kind of a this is something to sit with and really, really consider for a while. She, yeah, you're would, right. It's deep and thoughtful.
1: I would encourage people because it is deep and thoughtful. I'd encourage you to go to the New York Times, uh, Tish Harrison Warren about God not forgetting us. I think uh, we're used to being forgotten, but whether yeah. it's through you know dementia or just people disregarding us and right, forgetting us. Right. God does not and never will forget you. Yeah, and hopefully you can hear that truth today Now Aubrey we've been having fun over the last couple weeks or months basically once a week I get I find a quiz for you that is bible verse or this so we did bible verse or star wars bible verse or uh lord of the rings we did uh Lamentations or Taylor Swift. Yes, yes. Uh, if I remember right, we did worship lyric or love song.
2: That one was so funny.
1: That one was fun. So, And you tend to do well at these. I've been very impressed. Like, Thank you. Uh,
2: I'm actually, I kind of surprised myself. Like, I always think it's going to be terrible. And then I'm like, oh, wait, I actually am actually pretty good at these. So it's very, but, but I, whatever the last one was, I missed one, remember? And I was like very hung up about the one that I yeah, missed. But you so did they do well. send me into a crisis a little bit. I
1: don't remember what the last one was. I don't but either well at it you did do well at it uh but oh last one was uh bible's uh bible oh, verse or ed sheeran, ed sheeran lyric it was ed sheeran lyric that's right <laughs>
2: that's right that was a good one for sure Aubrey this
1: is uh i need to prepare people this is a dark one
2: oh okay this one
1: is this one could go dark on us it okay. is bible verse or heavy metal lyric <laughs> And I will warn you with this to get to be a Bible verse that sounds like a heavy metal lyric. Ooh. we're doing we're doing a lot of Old Testament. Ooh, okay. we're doing a lot yeah. of uh, slaying and Ooh. killing. There's not a lot of, a lot of uh, there's not a lot of love, and then you're yeah. gonna have to guess. They need to yeah. try to trip you up here.
2: Right. Okay. So, okay. Wow. So we're going to the violent parts of the Bible, which we all love to wrestle. Yes,
1: you okay. and everybody are warned, but we're going to okay. go ahead and have some fun with it while we do. Are you okay, ready? Okay,
2: let's do it. I'm. I'm so ready. I. I got my like. I got my like uh, heavy metal long hair on. My <laughs> nice. heavy eyeliner on. I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> nice. Let's Here do we this. Go.
1: If I wet my glittering sword and my hand take hold on judgment. I will render vengeance to my enemies and I will reward them that hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood and my sword shall devour flesh and that with the blood of the slain and of the captives from the beginning of revenges on the enemy.
2: So glittering sword is throwing me off, but I'm going to say Bible.
1: You say Bible? Yeah. That is correct. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 32. Wow. You wow. are. Cra- I told you this Riddle. would get dark. I told Riddle. you. Are you ready? Next one. Yep. And I will fill his mountains with his slain men in your hills and in your valleys and in all your rivers shall they fall that are slain with the sword. I will make you perpetual desolations and your city <laughs> shall not return and you shall know that I am the Lord.
4: Wow.
2: I'm going Bible. Also,
1: that is correct. Oh, do you, do you have a guess on a book?
2: Uh, that's got to be that's either is it Joshua?
1: No, it's it's uh it's Philippians. No, I'm just kidding. That is Ezekiel 35. <laughs>
2: so I was only gonna guess Ezekiel next because of Pulp Fiction, where <laughs> nice. Uh, what's his face? Like quotes. I think he's quoting Ezekiel the whole time. He was like about vengeance is mine so, you know, so ezekiel is my next guess i only guess joshua because they're conquering the canaanites that's but, true yeah.
1: that's true okay. okay here we go Their slain also also shall be cast out and their stench shall rise up out of their corpses and the mountain <laughs> shall be melted with their blood
2: oh man uh let's just take a stab at heavy metal here because we haven't had two yet
1: wrong isaiah oh, chapter 34
2: oh, oh. <laughs> man we're not preaching these sermons very often are we
1: the sky is turning red return to power draws near fall into me the sky's crimson tears abolish the rules made of stone
2: that's got to be heavy metal
1: correct that Phew. is slayer
2: Whoa. <laughs> They, they're dark okay <laughs> we're gonna get
1: called into someone's office after this and in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it and shall desire to die and death shall flee from them
2: uh bible
1: you say bible correct Whew. revelation chapter nine. Oh,
2: okay Revela- okay okay <laughs> <you>. oh revelation
1: <laughs> all right next I can feel it burn inside of me, tormented young with no souls haunting me, pain in their lives. All they know is misery. Take these chains away that are holding me down.
2: I'm going heavy metal because of the rhyming.
1: Don't you think? That one's got to be heavy so, metal. right? Correct.
2: Okay. Uh, Who is
1: that? Uh, Avenged Sevenfold. Wow. Okay. Never
2: heard of Avenged Sevenfold, but I bet oh. they're awesome. Uh,
1: apparently from those lyrics, they're wonderful. <laughs> A great... Yeah, let's play that one at the prom. There we go. Uh, I am a brother to dragons and a companion to owls. My skin is black upon me and my bones are burned with heat.
2: This is the Bible.
1: Oh, you seem like you know this one.
2: I think this is Jeremiah Early Imitations.
1: Oh, that is correct, but it is Job thirty. Job, Job okay, 30. okay. I
2: knew it was a lamenter. Yeah, the owl thing is what I knew. I'm like, I remember. There's a metaphor about him saying, "I'm like an owl."
1: I like that you use that as a. a I'm a lamentor. <laughs> <laughs> I we're a group of happy people who are coming. The Lamentors.
2: <laughs> the Lamentors. That's the that's gonna be the name of my heavy metal band. The Lamentors.
1: The Lamentors. Aubrey and the Lamentors. <laughs> that all sounds right.
2: like a pop band, but we're all we're very dark. We, this one very... is super
1: dark. Here we go. Oh, okay. Killing scores with demon swords. Now is the death of doers of wrong. Swing the judgment hammer down safely inside armor, blood, guts, and sweat. <laughs>
2: That's got to be heavy metal. And that's Doesn't awesome. It? It's my new Correct. favorite song.
1: You know who it is? It's uh-huh. Metallica. It yeah, is Metallica. It is Metallica. <laughs> All right. Wow. Oh, we, we're going to know this one. This one's easy. Okay. Okay. And I looked and behold a pale horse and his name that sat up on him was death and hell followed with him. <laughs> And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. That's Revelation.
2: That's Revelation. Isn't it? Apocalyptic Bible literature is so weird.
1: Especially when it's taken out of context. (laughs) (laughs) What if we're both
2: wrong? What if that was a heavy metal song? Nope,
1: that was Revelation chapter 6. Okay, okay. Daughter Babylon, doomed to destruction. Happy is the one who repays you according to what you have done to us. Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. (laughs) That is the Bible. That's
2: definitely the Bible.
1: Not only is it the Bible, it's Psalm. It's Psalm 137. (laughs) Oh, man. he has bent his bow like an enemy he stood with his right hand as an adversary and slew all that were pleasant to the eye in the tabernacle of the daughter of zion that's the bible out his fury like fire
2: that's the bible Bible? yeah that might be lamentations
1: lamentations too yeah
2: yeah
1: all right we have time for one or two more okay In great souls condemned for all eternity, obtained by immoral observance, a domineering deity. That's got to be heavy metal. Heavy
2: metal, right?
1: That's correct. And we are back to Slayer. (laughs) That's
2: some intense lyric writing right there. What I have
1: learned here (laughs) is that my children will never be allowed to listen to heavy metal. Not me. Swift I'm like is, we're
2: we're all heavy metal all the time for not. Taylor it's, it's Swift it's is looking.
1: <laughs> Taylor Swift is looking better and better and better <laughs> here. Uh, part your heavens, Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains so that they smoke. Send forth lightning and scatter the enemy. Shoot your arrows and rout them. Bible. That's correct. Psalm 144. We have time for one more. Are okay, you let's ready? do
2: it. I'm so ready. This is
1: awesome. This one has the, the greatest word of these dark lyrics. You ready? Yeah. Hear now this story of the man that should not be, here's the word, a ghoul of blackened <laughs> torment, sullen atrocity, a kindred soul to the devil's own, malignant personified, cast from his fire uh he who molests (laughs) the purest light
2: i'm gonna go heavy metal on that i think so what a great that sounds like such a great uplifting song
1: that is correct it is uh it is a a band called iced earth okay i don't know if that was good or not (laughs) Was
2: no that was awesome
1: aubrey here's what you did not realize perfect score what perfect score You got them all correct.
2: Finally. Yes. Well, I'm not
1: sure that I would celebrate that you could differentiate (laughs) (laughs) the darkest of heavy metal lyrics from the out of context, darkest parts of the Bible.
2: I think my Old Testament professor would be proud, though.
1: I might send that to him
2: and be like, I got a perfect score on this. So raise you can't differentiate
1: the Bible from Taylor Swift or Ed Sheeran. But those heavy metal (laughs) lyrics uh, you were able to do.
2: Wow. We love connecting with you on social media. We are at Common Good Talk on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And uh, what's exciting about our social media is we have a new producer in the house by the name of Laura Finch, and she's going to be posting more and interacting more. So we would love to have you engage with her and the things that she's sharing online. The other thing that you can do on our social media or actually on our show's website is to go to 1160hope.com. Find out more about Decision Point. It's a ministry that we've been partnering with all month. They are equipping and empowering students to share the gospel in their schools. Brian and I are big fans of what they're doing, and we'd love to invite you to partner with them. Um, Brian, I don't know how to transition from what I was just saying to kind of a heavy <laughs> topic, so I'm just yeah. going to go there. I wanted to talk a little bit about this question that I saw come up on my email. Is God anti-gay? And um, the reason this conversation came up in my emails is because Paul David Tripp has a podcast with Shelby Albert, Abbott. They're interviewing Sam Albury. Uh, Sam is a British Christian and he identifies as a homosexual man, but he's practicing celibacy because he feels like that's the right godly sexual ethic within his sexual orientation. And mm. so they had a really powerful conversation about how. Um, Really, what how God treats people who are same sex attracted, and how the church ought to do so, and there's quite a bit of audio. There's about three minutes of it, but I think it is so helpful for us to listen to. So I want to go ahead and play that, and then Brian and I will talk about it.
4: I, I think that 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 culture, and it's a culture that still exists. Let's be sure. Let's yes, be let's be honest. Yeah, uh, it in this occasion it leads with the law. It permits mockery. Mm -hmm. But there's a third thing that I think is devastating. It communicates that a person struggles with same-sex attraction is a sinner of a different nature. Your sin is, is different. I can remember sitting with a lady in my office, and that was her struggle. And she said to me, this is the first time I feel like just a regular sinner. Not like a special sin. For sinner. whom Christ died. She said, I, I thought, yeah, I understand the cross. I understand the cross addresses the sin of all those other people. But I'm I'm something different.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Now, yeah. where'd she get that? She got that from the church. From the church, yeah. That's the tragedy. And uh, so what does that do? It drives you into depression, into hiding, into self-loathing, I mean, it can't possibly go anywhere good. All, all of which fan the flames of sexual temptation. Oh, they yeah. uh, they absolutely do. Yeah. Uh, so, again, I'm glad we're talking about this moment because it's it's so important to understand sin, temptation, biblically. Right. Yeah, interesting. The
0: first two of those things you mentioned, law and mockery, those go together. Because if there's law and I, I can point to a, a law framework that means I am better than you, I get to mock you. Mm. I have that right if if law is the actual framework. Sure,
4: because because you you only ever are judgmental in places where you think you're righteous. Yeah. If I'm better than you, I get to look down on you. I get Be- to demean you. Because if I feel that I'm not meeting the standard, then I'm condemning myself in that moment. So it's that self-righteousness yeah. that allows me to judge you and look down on you. And that self-righteous fuels all of that mockery. It just feels right.
0: Yeah.
4: I'm like,
3: just go ahead and I'll just sit and listen to you guys talk
4: back and forth. But this,
3: It reminds me of, of a story that, that you told once about you uh, being vulnerable, talking about it from up front, someone in a church maybe coming up to you afterward, a man, and going, I just don't see... How you can ever find another man attractive, and then you coming to a conclusion in your mind there is like he thinks my sin is unique and his is just kind of common and run of the mill and not that big of a deal. That's yeah. what it reminded me of as you were talking about that. And that kind of framework is where we lived for a long time in yeah. cultural Christianity, at least in the West, for several decades. And and like you said, it's still there now. It still exists mm-hmm. now, but we're having a, a better, more uh, nuanced framework through the, the, the lens of scripture to say, this is not special sin or like more egregious sin. This is sin. And by the way, there is sexual sin in your life as well. Even yeah. if you don't wrestle with this, yeah, that's and- what you've helped me to see as well.
2: Okay, Brian. So essentially what I thought was so fascinating about this, even more so than the debate around mm-hmm. homosexuality was something that was said uh, in this conversation Which is that there has been in Christian culture kind of this, um, it's been acceptable to mock people and to mock people who struggle differently than you with their sins. And if uh, I mock you, then I'm better than you. And then therefore your sin is bigger than mine. And what Sam Albury says is that this leads, especially uh, same-sex attracted Christians or maybe like bisexual Christians to think that God actually can't save them. Like the cross Mm. wasn't enough for their sin. And I, I, you know, I, I wanted to bring that to the table, something for us to talk about, because I do feel like this is a, you know, this is a heightened conversation that we're having now in the church is probably behind culture uh, in this conversation. But what I do think is when we really in anything, we disagree with or don't understand, when we resort to mockery, don't you think yeah. we're sending a really distorted image of how God sees people?
1: Yeah, I do, uh, because it's just a – it's a response full of pride, right? It's a response. It's yeah. like you said. says not only your sin is worse, but y- it devalues people. Now, right. uh, you know, Sam Alberry would never say, oh, just tell people don't worry about it. Right. right? No, like, oh, it's not that. a big deal. Like, he has gone to the point of being a – saying I'm same-sex attracted, but I'm celibate. Like, I'm yep. wanting to follow – yeah. Um, but there is this sense it's it's the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, you know, don't just look at the speck in someone else's eye. Look at the log in your own eye that that talking about other people's sin or pointing out other people's sin uh, should cause us to self-reflect and go, where is my sin? Mm. Uh, where where am I struggling? And and I do think we do this with a lot of the spectacular sins like homosexuality or others where we say, well, that's the unsavable one. That's yeah, the, whereas yeah. instead we can have a conversation about like, here's what we believe about homosexuality. Here's what we see in the Bible. Um, but let me tell you about the cross of Christ. Let me tell you yeah. about the good news of the gospel and invite people into that. And, and I'm not sure we do that well with specific sins sometimes.
2: Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think if, especially if it's a sin that we don't tend to struggle with, Um, I think it can be easy to think like, oh, well, yeah, Jesus died for my sin, but – and we may not necessarily even mean to put that message across, but it can certainly come across that way when we're making fun of someone's particular sin struggle. What we're saying is like the cross wasn't big enough for them. And I think we're not humbling ourselves before God like in light Mm -hmm. of our own sin I think it's a lack of awareness of how far we've been saved from our own sin that's right what I find interesting about Albury's messages in general like he he was uh writing over at Redeemer City to City uh which is a blog out of Redeemer Fellowship about a year ago and he talks about um how for him the message of Jesus And the message of Christian sexual ethic and Christian sexual morality was actually really good and beautiful news. Oh, really? Yeah. And I I think sometimes we kind of assume that when we're talking to anyone on the LGBTQ scale and and maybe expressing, hopefully with love and grace, what we feel like the Bible says about that. Um, we, I think, have this idea that it's going to make people feel isolated, oppressed, tired, frustrated, angry, and it certainly can. I mean, I've had yeah. a conversation with same-sex attracted Christians, and they're like, I'm just so tired. I want to find a church where the pastor will marry me, you know? But what was interesting to me is um, to hear Sam Albury's message, and I think there's others like him. Jackie Hill Perry is another example to yeah, say that yeah. actually – for me, this message was freeing. This message was good. Like it brought me to Christ and I have an intimacy with Jesus that I never have before because I've had to wrestle with my sexuality in a way that other people haven't. And um, it, it, his idea, what he basically says is that the Christian sexual ethic can be offensive, certainly to our Western culture. Mm. Um, but for him, it was really beautiful. And for him, it was actually a really good word. And I think that that can encourage many of us not to, I want to be careful about this, not to shy away from what we think the Bible says and not be afraid of what the Bible says, trusting that the message of the cross and the message of Jesus, while it is going to be foolishness to some, it really is saving power for others.
1: Yeah. I think that's helpful because a lot of times we're like, we're just going to be this. They're going to take it as this. Well, no, let's speak truth. And then let's have that conversation. I think that's a great yeah. word to make.
2: Yeah. Anyway, if you want to find out more about that topic, read anything you want from Sam Albury. He is a great resource. Uh, as Brian and I like to remind people regularly on the show, we're both pastors.
1: Yes, we and, are. Take the drink.
2: Uh, Brian is a lead pastor of a church called four corners in Downers Grove. I'm uh, a, I don't know if you'd really call me a pastor. I'm a co-planter and one of the teaching pastors at our church. We're an old church in West mm-hmm. Chicago. Um, but uh, Brian, sometimes as a pastor, you'll be in conversations with, uh, other pastors, or maybe you read about churches online. And one of the things that I think churches like to claim for themselves is that they're doing things different.
1: Yeah. Kevin
2: and I went, Kevin and I went to a church once and their tagline was church differently. And Kevin and I were both always scratching our heads like that. Like what? That's a little arrogant to be like doing church differently. Well, what do you think churches are trying to accomplish when they say that?
1: Well, I do think that there are some who are doing it arrogantly. Craig Grishel once spoke and said that he went back and I think it was Grishel went back and apologized because he he and he called it arrogance and pride. When they came into like a town, uh, they put up billboards that was like, uh, you know, are are you bored with church? So are we. Different kind oh, of church, like man. basically taking shots at other churches. And so I do think there's this people don't like church and so we're going to say we do it differently so that's not good uh to try to take shots at other churches by saying we're different there are positive ones and i know this is where you want to go where Mm -hmm. it's like you know what we're trying to rethink where we put our money we're trying to rethink where we put our time we're trying to rethink how we do sunday morning and sometimes that goes too far like i think take sunday morning it's been done a certain way throughout the centuries because it's been it There's some value to kind of that liturgy and historical nature. But um, I do think that there are some churches going, okay, how can we bless our community? How can we uh, bless the world now? Like what does that look like that maybe most churches aren't doing? So I do think – I think you and your husband were right. I think a church that has a tagline church differently or whatever is Mm -hmm. – if I might say so myself, terribly arrogant.
2: It felt uh, a little arrogant, definitely. And it felt, probably young, felt and
1: they're they're uh-huh. going to uh, probably regret that at some point.
2: Yeah, well, uh, it's funny because they're talking about this over at Relevant Magazine, a guy by the name of Devin Jones, and he, he's talking about this phrase, we don't do church the same old way he says it seems to be a statement memorized by most aspiring church planters trumpeted with pride from the stage is kind of what we're talking about but then he actually says that there are some contexts this is what i want to get to where some churches are actually doing things differently he says they're setting the new bar for what church can be and i i wanted to share those churches and and just have a conversation about you know what makes that different and what and what makes that um i think a bar for the rest of us yes so um He mentions a church called Naco Christian Church in Arizona, and he says that they are connecting immigrant families. Naco Christian Church is one church with one pastor in two different locations with a large taxpayer-funded fence between them. The church is just a few blocks from the Mexican border and offers services on both sides of it. He says there's an early morning service in Arizona, followed by one just across the border in Mexico later in the day. The church is pastored by Jesse Wood while his wife, Jessica, works as the church's children's coordinator. They're a bi-national couple, making them uniquely fit to lead a church that serves two different cultures cultures excuse me and they're a lifeline between children and their parents who've been separated or deported back to mexico that's pretty cool
1: and maybe i'm i i'm showing my own lack of understanding yeah can he just go back and forth
2: i guess so if he's a if he's a dual citizen why I not i
1: suppose yeah i suppose right? just what it said a large taxpayer funded uh wall or fence between them, but that's really, this is what you mean, doing it differently in your context, right? Yeah. You and I can't sit with our elders and be like, you know what we should do? We live in the middle of the Midwest. We don't have any, and so this is a church going- what can we do right here and, and doing it like that's this yeah. is great. This is wonderful.
2: Yeah, I think so too. And you're right. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be helpful or wouldn't be incarnational for you. And I just to be like, Oh, we're going to do that now too. That's a cool yes. idea, but we can partner with them. We can support them. We can do things like that. Okay. Here's another one. This is impact church in Atlanta, Georgia. Their, uh, their slogan is actually doing church differently. By the way, this is not the church that Kevin and I were talking about. Um, But they've worked hard to earn that statement, doing church differently, by creating a church that puts more focus on the other six days of the week than they do Sunday mornings. With Pastor Paul Thibodeau at the helm, Impact has become one of the fastest growing churches in the United States. They've done it with a commitment to improve the lives of their congregants inside and outside of their walls. They offer Bible studies, uh, foster... they. Impact fosters communities to teach things like financial responsibility, dating advice, estate planning. The next stage in their journey is refurbishing a warehouse into an eco-friendly space that will serve not just as a church, but also a sort of community center. The space will feature hygiene centers for Atlanta's homeless population, after school programs for area Hmm. youth office space to serve as incubators for startup businesses, a community garden and creative programming and coding classes. So they're creating a community hub there. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it it is. I still am hung up on the on the uh, We do church differently. We do church differently.
2: Out, <laughs> yeah. It's great. That's great. All right. This one won't surprise you. You ready for this? Yep. Yeah. Francis Chan uh he stepped away from his huge church platform to try something different a church planting network with no building no overhead minimal structure do you know the name of his church
1: i'm i didn't until reading this article right we are church
2: yeah we are church i had never heard that before but apparently it's entirely made up of small group structures and they have no because they have no building costs no paid staff etc the entire church tithe and donations can be spent on missions work, relief aid, and other things like that. I uh, Apparently each – so they're home churches, house right. churches. Right. Each home church has two unpaid pastors, and members are placed within a church in their local community. So it's kind of a cell church model, I suppose, I mean, Everyone must be everyone must be full, fully employed at other places.
1: And I – like here's where I, I – I think this is awesome. Yeah. That what I don't want to give off is this is how you should be doing. Church. I agree. This is a I, model I think that's of church. so
2: important. Yeah. Like, can I
1: tell you something? If yes. I if I moved to San Francisco, I wouldn't be interested in joining something like that. Like, I agree. That's just not what I would want. Yeah. And so that's the danger of articles like this is going. Well, and now do this. You're like, oh, I should start a community center, and I should start it. A- every church is different. Hopefully this sparks some things in your mind to go, okay, I can be different. I can try things. Yeah, so.
2: yeah. I do think that's a really important differentiation in some of these model arguments that people have because we can we get our like pet model of church, right? Whether it's cell church, whether it's missional, whether it's attractional, whether it's something in between, and we're kind of like this is what God wants. Well, I I think because God is multifaceted in his glory, there are Multifaceted expressions of the church, and we Correct. need each other. Like, no one church kind of has the whole corner on like this is the right model, this is God's model. We need each other. We need the small churches, the big churches, the attractional churches, the organic churches, the home churches. That we need all of it-the community churches, the led the legacy churches to better reflect God's glory, to learn from mm. each other and, and shape each other. And so it is inspiring, I think, to hear what these other churches are doing. There's a church in Tulsa that champions nonprofits. There's another church that's all about fighting racism. Another church that's all about housing Dallas's homelessness, like homeless population. Th- those things are important for us to, to learn from and see like what the church could be. But I, I agree with you, Brian. We don't have to like... We don't have to compare, really. Let's instead celebrate all the things that God is doing Agreed. in Agreed. his church throughout the world. All right. And it is the end of today's show. At the end of every show, we love to put a smile on your face and make you laugh or, or give you something challenging and inspiring to think about. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about a comment that Tony Evans made that was like mic dropping about church. Yep. And I can't remember it exactly. I found it. You made... Oh, you did? I okay. Gotcha. Can, yep. can you read it for reference?
1: Yep. Tony Evans said this. Uh, I hear people say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And they are absolutely right. Salvation is through faith alone in Christ alone. But you don't have to go home to be married, but stay away long enough and your relationship will be affected.
2: Okay. So essentially he's calling people to the value of going back to church or being part of a church community. So I posted that on my Instagram this week because I think Tony Evans actually posted it again. And it was on my Instagram story. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's only there for like 24 hours. But I had some wild direct messages in response. One person was like, amen, this is awesome. Yes, I believe in the power of the church. And then like simultaneously, I got a message from someone else in Finland of all places.
1: For real? Did you know this person? For
2: real? Nope. Never never knew her. Didn't know she followed me. I don't know who she is. But she said... um. This must be an American thing. Nobody in Finland cares if you go to church or don't go to church. Uh, I go to church if I want to, but I don't bother anyone else and push them to go to church. And then she said something like, and don't tell me to pray about it. That's not going to happen. And like I mean, weird got really, really, really intense. And then I had another response um, from uh, related to something you and I talked about earlier on in the show, the Grand Canyon. Someone said, "I don't go to church anymore. uh, Kayaking over the weekends is my church." And (laughs) I, you know, I didn't push back, but I'm like, I think that's sort of the problem. That's sort of what Tony Evans is addressing here. Like that's that's a big problem in our culture right now. So, are you like, tell me your thoughts on I, I? I was surprised that the co- the post was as divisive as it was and I wondered if it like if it convicted people in a way they didn't like.
1: I'm shocked that it's divisive because yeah. the same way he's just saying if you if you're married and don't go home it's like you know, it's going to have problems if you're a Christian and don't go to church. This speaks to the value of church for people. Like the person in Finland, Finland was it? I don't.
2: Finland, Finland. I can't yes.
1: imagine that the pastors there, or other people, are just like, "Well, come if you want." Like that just says something about right. the church in Finland and Finland in general. And it also speaks to the um, the individualistic That's consumer na- uh, view of yeah, the church that says, right. "If I want to go, I'll go. If not, I." I think we always say this: the church while messy was not our idea it was god's idea yeah and and regularly throughout scripture we are called to gather and be together uh to spur one another on to uh hold each other accountable to support one another to point one another to jesus and the more that i'm going oh just me and god on my kayak just me and god roaming the arboretum just me and god whatever yeah it's it you could get mad at us for saying this people, but it's going to have detrimental effects on your faith. If, yep. uh, if yep. you are not a part of a church community, it will have detrimental effects. It doesn't mean that churches aren't messy and they're not annoying at times yep. and they're yep. not whatever, Yeah, but they are God's mechanism to growing people to yeah. reaching the world. Like it's just, it's just true.
2: And I think some of the, the, um, the detriment that Brian's talking about is, one, like your faith will decrease mm-hmm. um, because we need each other to hold each other up. Like you will soon slowly, slowly drift away from your Christian faith. I think that's mm-hmm. part of it. I don't say that to be fear mongering. I just say that because that's realistic. Um, Not that going to church automatically equals a thriving faith, but it, it is a part of it. I think the other thing is it, it's very isolating if you're not around other Christian people, and you can you can suddenly begin to second guess and doubt your faith in a way that you haven't. Um, in seasons of difficulty, we like desperately need each other, and when you're That's away right. from a church community, you just you just don't have that faithful support, prayer support, loving support. And then I think we can begin to form ideas about God in the church that are just not biblically sound Mm -hmm. or theologically correct Correct. or orthodox and that's where we see all kinds of weird expressions of the church thoughts about jesus i mean you know we talked about the other day on the show some of some of the way theology is going in america right now people believing that jesus is not uh the one savior that jesus was simply a good teacher like some of this is formed because we're stepping away from a community of faith and the teaching of scripture that happens there. And so that is some of the, the detriment is social, it's um, emotional, it's spiritual and theological as well, wouldn't you say?
1: A hundred percent. And I have been thinking a lot about that survey that you just referenced that we talked about yesterday or two days ago. Yeah. Uh, And the increasing heresy in the evangelical church of lack of belief that's just, a theological issue that Jesus was just a good teacher and that the numbers have yeah. go- gone up a lot with that, that right. there's many ways to God that they're all of these. And you're just going, what is that? Where's that coming from? And I do think Aubrey, it is a, a, a lot of that's on the church, but a lot of that is on people's disconnection from the church, uh, choosing to be disconnected from the church, uh, because the church is where we, uh, we ground our theology. We, um, we sharpen one another. We're in community. And and so I I do think the two are connected. I think this is a huge problem generationally for us. And it's only going to get worse. The idea that I don't really need to be a part of the church and the church doesn't really need me, but that it's just this, that it's just this arbitrary uh, optional thing. I had an email dialogue with someone the other day who was like, listen, I've just, we've just gotten used to sleeping in on Sundays and mm. we enjoy that. Yeah. And be like, well, uh, okay. Like, I don't right. know what, to, I'm not here to convince you of the mistake you're making with your family, Right, right. it's going to come back and get you. Yeah. And yeah. again, it's not fear-mongering from pastors here who wish more people would show up. It's, it's just true. Uh, like if I wasn't the pastor of the church, I I would hope that Carrie and I would look at our family. And go all right, We got to go find a church because it's important. And um, yeah. Tony Evans says. Well, and who are people to disagree? With Tony Evans. Come on. He's on I our mean, Mount really? Rushmore. Come
2: on. He's on our Mount Rushmore. Okay, Brian. Very quickly, I'm gonna put you on the spot here. But for the for the listener right now, who's like, yeah, I haven't been going to church for a while. I'm thinking about going back. Encourage them. Why and how? Oh, uh, they should try a church this Sunday.
1: Yeah, first of all, if you haven't been to a church and you're a part of one, go back to that church. Yeah. And yeah. um they will welcome you back. They're not going to be like, "Oh, you, fancy you thinking you could come back." Like they'll welcome you back. If yeah. you're not a part of a church, I it's what I said earlier friends. I I don't think that the church is an optional thing in the Bible. I also don't think it's something that's man-made. It's messy. It's annoying at times. At times you leave church and you're going, I didn't get anything from that. But it's the week in, week out uh being cemented in community, uh being a place where you're known and you know other people who are pointing you to Jesus. Like that is an essential part the one another's of the New Testament. Yeah. Uh it is it is a team sport and and the way we get on a team is in the church. And again, I love what uh, Eugene Peterson said about how to pick a church. He said, uh, find a church and stay there.
2: Yeah, that's, uh,
1: build your root, get your roots deep, uh, endure the messiness. And, and I think you're going to find your faith enriched as you do that.
2: Such a good word for all of us. Thanks for that, Brian. Well, we'll be back again tomorrow from four to 6 PM for Brian from I'm Aubrey Sampson. And you've been listening to the common good on AM 1160 hope for your life.